to be in the house of the Lord again. Uh, just so, so glad and so thankful for uh, this family in IFGF OC. Um, and uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm so blessed with also with the worship uh, just that we just have, led by Dea. And then uh, I guess it, uh, I have to uh, probably say condolences to all the 49ers first, first of all. <laughs> So, but that was a good, good game. A couple of us were here uh, enjoying just the company. You know, uh, it was down to the wire until the very last minutes. But uh, I thought I thought that was a pretty good game. But so today we're gonna continue with this uh, sermon series about the uh, the book of Exodus, and I've been enjoying uh, my personal study time. So today's focus will be on the part of the journey uh, when the Israelites actually go into the desert. Or the wilderness, okay? And, and so God delivered them uh, from Egypt and then led them through the wilderness on the way to Mount Sinai. There's a lot of typology and symbolism that, that we can learn together. Uh, but uh, here is the anchor uh, first that we have been uh, camping in uh, the last uh, at least three weeks. So this is what it says in Exodus 19. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, and then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Everybody says treasured possessions. Amen. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You know, a kingdom, a nation with its own distinct culture. Can I hear an amen? We are that nation with a particular worldview, with a particular, peculiar sometimes, uh, a culture, right? We do not live uh, by the, the culture or the rules that is out there. We have our own set of cultures that, that, that we, we should have as a family of God. Uh, these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Talking about, um, you know, culture and, and this church, basically, we, we are all a core member. Amen? There is no spectators. And I'm just so thankful that today, I'm going to embarrass this guy, but uh, Nate Hartanto, I'm just so thankful that you are serving for the first time. I know he's like, he wants to, where can I hit my face? <laughs> but after four years, he's finally here. And I'm just so thankful, Nate. And uh, yeah, so I am excited to see more and more of you. There's so many uh, ministry opportunities. Amen. I mean, just this youth. Oh, also a great, great news. Uh, this past uh, Friday is the first youth care group led by youth, not not by by the adult, but the youth. Jolene is the one. So, I mean, there's a lot of things happening in in this church. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Adrian. Nobody's excited, but I'm excited. <laughs> you know. And then this coming this coming Friday, uh, Friday and Saturday, there's going to be a next gen conference, right? So I hope you're going to be there diving in into what the next generation, the youth, the, the young people in IFGF. So this, you know, I, I, don't, I don't say the next gen, it's the now gen. <laughs> because you are all leading already, as you can see in the worship night and prayer night. It's all of you. So get in the water, get your hands and feet dirty. Amen. Amen. So, but... As we go through this series, two weeks or three weeks ago, I think, yeah, or two, yeah, three Sundays ago, I, want, uh, I said that I want you to keep this question in the back of your mind, okay? How does the story in this book, as you go through, how does this actually relate to the story of the salvation or the gospel of God that has been impacting my life? Amen? 
how does this actually relate to here and now, us in OC in 2024? It's not just a story of salvation for the nation of Israel, but it's our story. In fact, there's only one salvation story in the Bible. Can I hear your name in? Redemption and salvation, that, those two words are first actually discovered in this exodus. So that's the team, okay? Salvation, God taking us out of the land of Egypt, slavery. That's the type of the world, the sin, right? Crossing the Red Sea, which is the typology of baptism. And now we go into the wilderness. So that's where we are now, Exodus 16, all right? Exodus 16, next slide. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. Because God is trying to get them into the Mount Sinai where He's going to give them His law. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. <laughs> the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. You know, I, I, I look at a couple of uh, commentaries, like how long actually be, between uh, Exodus 16 and when they actually come out of uh, the Red Sea. Some actually say six days, another one is as long as two weeks, right? My point is, it's not that long ago. <laughs> it's, not, you know, it's not like years and years and years or, or not even one month, okay? It's less than a month and now... They're already grumbling because they're not used to the lifestyle in the wilderness. Okay, next slide. They're, they're, so they're, they're wondering, they're thinking back to their lives in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. I mean, come on. They're not even there yet, but they're just like exaggerating, right? And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instruction. I want, I want you to, to take a look at this real carefully here. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will, what does it say there? Test them. Everybody says test. Can you say to your left and right, this life is a test. So some of you are not looking because you don't like tests. <laughs> I'm done with school. <laughs> Come on, why do I have to go to tests? This life is a test. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you know what it means. And see whether they will follow my instructions. Okay? Every blessings and breakthrough is a test whether they follow God's instruction or not. Okay? Next slide. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. This is really interesting because it's, it's basically covering a period of one week, okay, the instruction. But they have to go out and get their food that God supplied miraculously, okay. Every day they have to go out. And then on the sixth day, Harikanam, they were together how much portion? Double, twice, for the sixth day and... The seventh day. But for day one through day five, they only have to do how many portions? One. And then on the seventh day, how many portion? None. Gotcha, Fera. Seratus. 
<laughs> None on the seventh day because that is the Sabbath day, right? You told me I'm going to give you a test. Right? <laughs> it's the Sabbath day. It's a day of rest because that's the, the picture that God gives even in the story of the creation. So for the next few chapters here between 16 and 19, we're going to go through, uh, we're going to march through the wilderness toward Mount Sinai where God will make his covenant with them. But the wilderness proves to be quite a challenge, you know, for Israel. Hungry, thirsty, vulnerable, and there's this, uh, in, in my sermon text, it's called, there's the liminal space. Do you know what liminal is? Maybe some of you. It's like a, 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 a space of transition, a space of, you know, like in between. It's a very uncomfortable space because it's, you know, you're waiting, you're not sure, it's liminal. So that's where the Israelite is, actually, and that's why they had this struggle and then they have this audacity to say if only we had died by the lord's hand in egypt and and i'll explain to you you know what what god revealed to me uh, with 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 those phrases but as you can see god responds to his people with mercy and grace okay with the goodness of god it, he's not like you know when their children are so naughty or or so complaining don't you hate it when your children's complain to you right it drives me crazy when, when my kids do that. That's why I am a proponent of physical spanking. There you go. All right. All of you that goes through premarital counseling with me, I'm going to propose that you discipline your child with, not your, with your hand, but with thong, okay? The other thong, the kitchen thong, okay? Don't get any wrong ideas there, okay? So, oh, all right. Call focus, focus. <laughs> As you can see, God responds to His people with mercy. Okay, now, this begs the question though, what does the wilderness and the desert in the Bible actually represent, right? Is if we talk about wilderness, you know, there should be, there should be a symbolism, right? I know it's hot. I don't know why. Okay. Usually it's not this hot. Dea says it's cold today, but you know, to me it's hot. But what does wilderness actually talk about when the Bible says wilderness? Well, let me tell you that it actually represents everything that is painful, everything that is trying. It, it symbolizes all of the pain and misery of life in this fallen and sinful world. Does that make sense? This life, maybe you young people, <laughs> my, my life is, it's been good. <laughs> you know, life that you experience it so far, it's not the normal life that people has known it for I don't know, for millennials. People always struggle, right? I love watching Chinese kingdom stories, whatever, you know, period pieces. My goodness, it's always war, dynasty. Even in the palace, the harem, right? There's all kinds of consort, this consort. They were battling each other and not just the Chinese, the Koreans too. And then there's going to be this... Uh, 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 series in FX called The Shogun or something. Ah, you know. Life is hard. And I'm sorry to break it to you if it's, you know, your life has been chill. You know, you've been living in, in sort of a, you know, shielded bubble. It doesn't sound good, but it is a bubble, you know, by your parents. Because life is hard. Sooner or later, you're going to learn that there is pain and suffering and evil that affects you in life. And that's what, what wilderness is. Right? And, and so, the next one here. 
wilderness equals our fallen world. And here's the truth that I want you, this is an extra. It's not in the, the sermon text, but I feel like I, I need to share this. But God hates evil and suffering. Do you know that sicknesses, you know, cancer, whatever it is, diabetes, cholesterol that prevents you from eating to Kang Hodong all the days of your life, that God doesn't create that. Okay? In creation story in Genesis 1, did you notice that God did not create a desert? Right? There's no desert. There's always rivers, right? Euphrates, Tigris, and then there's another uh, couple ones. Lush garden, right? That's what God creates. Poverty, war, that's not part of God's blueprint. God hates evil and sovereign and poverty and war and equalities, inequality. If you look at the story when, uh, in, in the Old Testament, I mean the New Testament when Lazarus, right? Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary. Do you remember that character? Lazarus, because of a sickness that the Bible does not explain, actually died. All right? And then one of the shortest verse in the Bible is recorded in John eleven thirty five. You know what it says? Jesus wept and the greek word of the word wept there is like an uncontrollable you know convulsing it's like it's not just a regular crying okay it's and jesus was deeply moved in spirit troubled deeply moved twice the bible says that he wept you know what it speaks to me about that he was intolerant he was unhappy he was even angry <laughs> With evil and suffering and death in the wilderness of our lives. Can I hear an amen? Are you awake? Yeah. The children of Israel and the, the wilderness was not a, for the children of Israel, the wilderness was not a rapid transportation. But by the way, this story, right? What what it actually should take about 11, 14 days at the most. It took them what 40 years. So this definitely is not a rapid transportation. It was an education. It's not just a passage to get to Mount Sinai. It's a process. It's God's process. It's how God works to shape and mold us. God has a specific purpose for the wilderness of our life, which leads us to our first point. Here's my first point. In the wilderness, our obedience is put to the test. The Bible, I love when the Bible actually gives its own commentary in other parts of the Bible. If you fast forward 40 years, right? And then here's the commentary in Deuteronomy 8 about the life in the wilderness. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the, what does it say? The wilderness. These 40 years to do what? Speak to me. To humble you and to test you. There's the word again. In order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands. A test of obedience. This life is a test of obedience. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors know. That's the why of the wilderness. Right? Because that's the big question. If God is so loving, why does he allow suffering? Right? God does not create suffering. 
He allows suffering. He gives meaning and purpose in the suffering. He transforms sufferings. He makes it so that there is a meaning and purpose. He even takes on the flesh and the body to actually experience suffering himself and thereby redeem us in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not easy to obey God when everything is going according to the plan, right? Your prayers are instantly answered. Yay! When situation happens as expected, you get the job promotion, you get the whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend that you have always dreamed of. Your devotion is devoid of pain. That's, that's not the question. That's not where the test is in. Trusting in God, praising God, and obeying God comes easy on, in those days. But when, it, when we find ourselves in the wilderness, whether because we're in a season of waiting or wanting, that liminal space I talked about, suddenly obedience becomes a bit more challenging, right? Am I speaking something here into your life? Yeah? Or everybody's life is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> In the wilderness, our obedience are put to the test. And then the next slide, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Is it strange their shoes they have as a baby grows with them <laughs> as well as their clothes? I, that's like grown bearded man wearing baby clothes. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Jewish baby clothes is the same as an adult baby clothes. I don't know. Right? I'm just imagining here. But what does God want us to learn? Answer. There's something more important than the temporal, physical things that you can see. Right? Look at what 2 Corinthians 4 says here. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Here's the, here's the hardest job that I have as a pastor. Okay? I think this is one of the hardest, if not the hardest. I want you to realize that this Christianity, this thing that we do together, that you gather every week, that you then you hang out with your care group friends, this is more than just having a good career. This is more than just finding a soulmate. This is not just when you faithfully give, you know, tithing, then you, your life will, no, no. There is more than what is going on in this life. And sometimes we need to be reminded by the pain, by the sicknesses that you feel like, hey, what do I deserve to experience all of these things? Right? I, 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 I told you about a couple, I don't know, a few weeks ago, we, we were just talking in, 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 um, in our family care group, right? And then one, one of us here, you know, his cousin just died. And then the family are still, you know, they have two young children. And, then, you know, the husband just left baffled unanswered why and then a few weeks later i guess the the parent also died and, and just it just all those things that doesn't make sense in this life that we felt like we don't deserve but there's more 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. God's word is eternal. But remember the word that the Israelites utter on verse 3? If only we had died, right? That's the word. You know what kind of word or what kind of language that is? That's the language of addiction. Addicted people always want to go back to their old life. Right? They're in denial. In Egypt, actually, the Israels, they, they, like, they hated it. It was miserable. They cried out. They cried out so loud that finally God heard them from heaven. But now in the wilderness, thinking back of their time in Egypt, they thought of it fondly. Selective memory. <laughs> oh, at least at that time we have meat. They're going to get their meat. It doesn't mean that they experience God necessarily. They, yeah, they, they did experience breakthrough. But I don't know if that kind of attitude actually pleases God. Delusional thinking. Screening out the bad, focusing in on the little insignificant comfort. That's why I said that my job, my hardest job is for you to uplift your mindset, not just from the here and now, but you have that eternal focus that there's an eternal life coming out, you know, coming after our life on earth ends. Even though they're out of Egypt, out of the life of sin in their heart and spirit, they're still slaves. This is the principles that I want you to learn. Next one. They have come out of Egypt, but actually Egypt has not come out of them. You go to any houses to, that deals with uh, addict, you know, addict, uh, addicts in Malibu or whatever, they always have these principles. You can get people out of quote-unquote slavery in an instant. Usually they take them out from the whatever community, the addict community they have. But you cannot get addiction or slavery out of people that quickly. Why? Because it takes a process. That's why I said wilderness is God's process. When the Israelites were in the desert, they struggled to stop thinking like slaves even though they were set free already. Isn't that so much like us? Right? We, we struggle, right? It's tempting to grumble. When money is tight, we compromise. We take shortcuts. When finding a godly spouse is hard, we're tempted to settle for second best. When ministry isn't going well, we're tempted to throw in the towel. That's why God put us through the wilderness where our obedience is put to the test. But what if we see our wilderness as an opportunity for you and for me to grow? In our faith and in our spiritual maturity. What if we use this wilderness here as a way to uplift our eyes, not just on the here and now, but what's coming on later on, right? Are you in the wilderness season or are you in a season of waiting or wanting? Maybe today your obedience are, are being tested. Maybe you're tempted to grumble or compromise. Maybe you're tempted to give up. Rather than succumbing to your circumstances, I want to encourage you today, let's Let's see the wilderness as an opportunity to grow in your faith. That's why church is so important. That's why care group is so important. Because we walk side by side. We lift up one another. We sustain one another. When, when one is weak, the person next to you will be able to help you out. Can I hear your name in? Yeah? 
If you have not been part of a, a care group, come on, get in the program. <laughs> it's important. You cannot live all by yourself. To trust God more, to develop your spiritual fortitude. Let me move on to the next point here. In the wilderness, our idols are brought to the service. It's refilled. You know, pressure, heat and pressure will refill what is actually in your heart, right? Remember the commentary that you know, in, in Deuteronomy 8? To humble and test you in order to do what? Here's what it says there. Deuteronomy 8. To humble and test you and to know what was in your heart. Next one. There you go. What is in your heart? The purpose, the second purpose of the wilderness to living tough times is that our idols is revealed. Tough times help us to identify what really consumes our heart and what takes the number one place in our heart. Right? I was, uh, you know that I've been involved in, in, in a lot of the humanitarian effort that, you know, that we do as a church through World Harvest. And, and when, when are you leaving again, Pastor Adri? 28th. The 28th. So could, could you please keep Pastor Adri in your prayer? Amen. He is going to one of the toughest area in Pakistan. Uh, one of them is Quetta, which is a border city just about an hour away from Afghanistan. I've been there. Um, if you're there, you need to be guarded by uh, military police. So you're, you're going to have your own personal bodyguard, bro. Uh, looks scary, but uh, they're okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> he told me that by going there, he needs to like, did you change your will just in case? <laughs> Like that's, <laughs> I didn't even do that, but okay, that's a good point. I probably need to. <laughs> but, you know, we're so, we're so engrossed with this first world problem, you know, living in the United States. A few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I, we, we were just doing in our closet, you know, wardrobe closet. And, and she quit and make a comment, you know, we, we have all of these clothes, hmm, but it's, you know, it's so hard to pick up, you know, a clothes that we like. <laughs> and it's not like we do not shop, right? We, you know, we shop probably once or twice a month or whatever it is, you know. It's so hard to pick up a, 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 a wardrobe that I really like, you know, the Boston. Such a first world problem because you know what? In 90% of the world, people only wear one cloth for like a week probably. I've seen them. Well, I... Kind of smelled them. That's why I know. Us here, you know, like, what do we want to eat today? Oh, Boston, right? Racing Canes, the Hot Dave's, Chick-fil-A, Tulagi, Tulagi. You know, like, like, you've got so many choices that you get so bored by all of these choices and you need more choices. Idols. <laughs> Talking about food and meat, here it is. Exodus 16, verse 13. That evening quail came and covered the camp and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp wow when the dew was gone thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor <laughs> creeps not french creeps but heavenly creeps when the israelites saw it they said to each other what is this <laughs> and hebrew in what is this or what is it is called mana 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 <laughs> that's why they're called mana yes seriously that's what it is <laughs> I'm not joking, actually, but it is what it is. <laughs> For they did not know what it was. 
Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. God is so good. Instead of scolding them, disciplining them, okay, you want meat? Here you go. Like meat party, you know, evening quail. Oh, man, I, evening quail. From a, it gives me memory of Halim in Surabaya. That's a restaurant with all of the, yeah, oh, you know that, bro. <laughs> People from Surabaya, yeah. <laughs> like that, the deep fried quail oh, with the five star anise. Apa namanya ngohyong? Okay, the best. I don't know if they have that, you know, it's good to be Chinese in the. Okay? <laughs> This is what the Lord has commanded. I don't know why I talk about that. Everyone is to gather. Here's very important here. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an Omer. Omer is about 2.3 liters. So about half a gallon maybe. Okay. Everyone take each as much as they need, not as much as they want. Get that? Take an Omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the Omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. That's interesting. Because whatever, there's an, I don't know, miraculous equalization or something. Okay? Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. The next slide there. Verse 19. And then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Meaning what? Don't take any extra. Get that? Okay? Just... Take as much as you need for that day. But, <laughs> as you can see, when people is told not to do something, what do they do? They do exactly what they're not told not to do. <laughs> Just like my, my kid, you know, I remember Evan. Okay. Evan, don't do that. Don't do that when, she was, uh, when he was still here. You know, don't do that. Don't put that in your mouth. Boom, he puts it in his mouth, you know. Like, what do you want to do, Daddy? Like, like nantang, right? That's what it is. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of, what did it say here? Maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Sure enough, like I said, that, you know what this talks about? It talks about greed as their idol. Kerakusan. Right? And you know, rottenness, maggots, that's a symbolism of death. Greediness usually accompanied by worry and stress, right? Which leads to death. That's what it is. It's interesting. Uh, let me ask you this. Why did God actually forbid the Israelites from storing manna for the next day? Why did He only tell them to take just enough for one day? The answer is this. God wanted to teach the Israelites to trust them for their daily needs. Not weekly needs. So that they would come to God and then express their gratitude daily. Not weekly, not monthly, not yearly. Daily. There is a habit to come to God, to go to work, and, you know, some of you, you have a IQ that is higher than the others. But at the end of the day, ultimately, you know that that IQ, that brain power comes from God. So what you earn, you know, what you make, that is 
an expression of God's grace. We talked about that last month, right? So, God wanted the Israelites to walk by faith each and every day. And yet, there were some Israelites who insisted on keeping some of the manna until morning, revealing their lack of faith, their greed. That's the, their idol there. They trust themselves and their logic more than they trust the word of God through Moses. Here's a, a, a quote that I took. I don't know who one of the pastors, but the very best circumstance without God is a place of death. But the very worst circumstance with God can be a place of sweetness. Because manna, that manna, I've never tasted manna, but it tastes sweet like honey. You know, the Word of God says. See, ironically, the Israelites built storehouses of Pharaoh while in Egypt as a slave, right? And now they become mini Pharaoh because they're trying to create these mini storehouses, surpluses, more and more greed, you know, access, self-reliance. So God used the wilderness to search our hearts and reveal our ways in the wilderness. Our idols are revealed. See, when, when things are going well, it's easy to put up a mask. How you doing, bro? Good. <laughs> Facade and mask, right? But when things do not go well, wilderness has a way to reveal where our loves and loyalty truly lie. So thankfully, the wilderness is an opportunity to face our idols and shatter them so that we can worship the true God. So here's the things that I want you to, re, uh, to be asking. What are the false gods do you need to abandon? Is there a feeling of not enough? Wanting more and more? Now, don't get me wrong. Okay. We do, we, the Bible talks about contentment, right? Sometimes, yeah, God puts in your heart to that ambition to grow, okay? But that there's a point where God's going to tell you, this is enough, my child. You don't need more. And, and when that time's come, you need to obey His voice. Is it a surplus that, you, that becomes what consumes you, excesses? Is it comfort? Whatever it may be, take this moment to, to actually to evaluate and to renounce that. And to trust God more who is able to sustain you and meet all of your needs. Right? Wilderness season expose your false God. And then here's my last point. In the wilderness, God's miraculous provision is set on display. Yeah, the wilderness tests our obedience, reveals or exposes our idols. But the wilderness is also the place where we see God's miraculous provision. This is the ultimate purpose of the wilderness. To confirm the reality that, yeah, God does exist. And He takes pleasure to be among His people. Some of my darkest moments, I'm a, it, it's, it's found when, when I, I found God's peace, God's strength are made real. It's not just a theory for me. That, that song, Your Goodness, it's running, it's running after me. I was so much in pain when I lost my dad and I couldn't let him go. And then that, that line came right, with my life laid down, 
I'm surrendered now. At that moment, I knew. I couldn't do anything. I, I'm not in control of my father's death. At that time, I need to make a choice. That's what they said today. Make a choice to let him go. And when I, I did that, the grace and the peace of God comes like a weighted blanket. <laughs> it just envelopes me, just embrace me. Now, some of you, maybe you have a, an issue of unforgiveness. You don't want to let it go. And it, it could become that idols in your life. I cannot let this go. I, I, I still, it festers in me. What that person did, I cannot believe that. Some of you, today, this is from God. This is a fresh manna. You need to lay it down before God. Exodus 16, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight, you will for sure eat the meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That's a language of relationship. I am the I am the Lord your God, and you'll be my people. Remember two weeks ago I said about that? I love you. I'll, I'll take care of you. Right? You don't just say that to anybody. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Here's the application. Are you in the wilderness season today? Do not lose hope. God does not lead you into the wilderness solely to test you and to expose your idols. But He leads you there so that you can experience His presence and His reality and His provision. Can I ask the music to, maybe just, you know, a guitar to, to come? Because I feel like we need to come to a place of worship here, not, not just let this message pass away and, and just be another message. He wants you to see that He can provide bread from heaven in your life. Some of you, you may be struggling with some kind of a decision. Some of you, I don't know what you're experiencing. Something that really just bothers your mind. Some of you, I know, you're praying for your status of staying here. I want you to know that God can cause streams of water to flow in the desert. Can I hear an amen? And He can fill your life with good things. In the same way that God provides quail and manna to, you, to the Israelites, He will also meet all of your needs. No one gets the perfect score in the wilderness. Sure, we have our moments, our moments of complaining and grumbling. But I thank God that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. He treats us with kindness. Here's what Romans 8 verse 31 says. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? You know this promise only applies to Christian? Right? If, if you have not received Him as your personal master, 
the owner of your life, the king of your life that you, that, that you worship, today is the day. Do not harden your heart. Our God, our Lord is gracious and passionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And in the wilderness, we also encounter God's kindness and mercy, even though a lot of times we grumble. So my final exhortation is this. Don't waste your wilderness season. Don't waste this painful moment in your life. You have your very version of, of pain and discomfort, anxiety, what it is that you're going through. But it is an essential part of our Christian journey. Like I said, it's God's process. The wilderness process is necessary. So let's, let's take that song as a way uh, of us to come together. Cause all my life you have been faithful. 